gonna make him an awfully gamble for you. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. 1.21 gigawatts! I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! The second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. This is Sparta! You know, there's a million fine-looking women in the world, dude, but they don't all bring you lasagna at work. Most of them just cheat on you. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of The Briefcase. I'm your host, Matt, and sitting across from me through the miracle of technology is the rock to my sock, the animal to my hawk, and my business partner and co-host, Dave. Dave, how are you? What a rush. I love that you always get my references. <laughs> I didn't even read the script and I just fucking pouted on that shit. There you go. There you go. That's what you get when you grow up in the 80s and the 90s with wrestling. So, yes, indeed. All right. Uh, this week's episode is uh, going to be the start of something we have talked about before. We've, uh, we've mentioned that we've done numerous production shorts and, and the like, and uh, we wanted to eventually get into them, and today's going to be the first episode where we actually do get into them. Uh, we've decided to start uh, diving into our own productions and talking about what we do when we start creating something. And while this movie hasn't been wrapped, excuse me, and while this movie has been wrapped for a while now, we felt we should start with it because... Uh, it's been kind of getting like a, a second wind, a new breath of life, like blown back into it because it's been in uh, two or three festivals recently. And the film I'm talking about is based on a true story. So AKA boats, <laughs> AKA boats, which has a great outtake. I still have yet to do the outtake video for that. But uh, anyway, yeah. So let's, I guess let's start at the top. I mean, where do our ideas come from? Like where, where, does the inspiration come from when we create our um, original content? It comes from pretty much anywhere sometimes, if you think about it. Like, there's no one specific place that is like, yeah, I need to go um, to the park at this certain time and get inspired by something. No, it, it <laughs> happens It happens so randomly it, um, to me. Um, usually now since of, cause of my commute, it, it would happen while I would be driving. Uh, but this one in particular was <laughs> no drive whatsoever involved. Yeah. Um, kind of something I always tell people is, uh, if you're waiting for inspiration to strike, uh, you know, you're going to die before it happens. Sometimes you really just got to seize the moment and don't get me wrong. There are times when you're completely clean slate, blank mind, your brain is wandering and boom, all of a sudden something pops off in your head and you're like, oh my God, that's that's a great idea. And then you run with it and it becomes your next, you know, whatever. 
but uh, you cannot wait for inspiration to strike. No, not at all. And it, you know, I mean, some people in the shower, some people on on you know on the throne, you know, other, you know, other people picking up their kids from school. I mean, you you just never know where it comes from. And the inspiration from this came someone completely out of left field. You know, um, if, you know, like should should we get into it? Like, of course, I was going to ask you. Right. You tell me where this came from, because because technically speaking, you came to me with this idea, or I should say, yes. you guys. Yes. Totally did, to yeah. Um, so, you know, since, you know, you and I both direct and stuff, um, sometimes I'll come up with a concept or an idea and I say to myself, okay, this I want to direct the shit out of. This is something I could definitely direct. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it was completely opposite. I was like, this is something Matt needs to direct. And, and this why, is something why was I'm, that? <laughs> and this is something that I need to shoot and make it look epic. But, um, but, but why was the decision made? You know, why did you think like, oh, this is this is a Matt thing? Because uh, because of the the it was a comedy. Okay. I mean, this is this is something like right up your alley, you know, Mm -hmm. from from when we did, you know, when we used to do public access. Mm -hmm. But I I just envision it like, no, this is something Matt needs to direct. I I just need to be behind the camera and frame this nicely and, and Matt will take care of the rest. Okay. So so we're in my apartment at the time. Uh, It's me and Dro. And we're like, oh man, let's let's watch something, you know, because we we basically just dropped an edible. We we had he had some chocolate chip cookies, um, and I was like, hey man, let's let's heat it up in the microwave, you know, five seconds, seven seconds, and let's pop this thing in and see what happens. So you know, we ate our little edible. We go through the DVD book booklet, and I think uh, I can't remember if it was me or Dro. More than likely, it was probably Dro because I always like, yeah, like hey, you pick something, whatever, let's watch it. And he picked Dog Day Afternoon. And we're, I think, maybe 20 minutes into the film, and Dro just goes, yo, I got this great idea. And he just came up with these characters of these pretty much buffoons. (laughs) You know, they're the worst kind of small-time crooks that you could think of. And they're really, really bad at it. (laughs) And... I just said, no, man, this is something that Matt needs to write. And I think him and I kind of like wrote a few things down and decided like, okay, um, here's the concept we came up with. You need to direct it. I will help you produce and I will shoot it. Go. (laughs) So if I'm not mistaken, also uh, before um, I kind of sat down to write it, which is a whole other story, um, wasn't there a mask already purchased or... Yeah, Dro Dro was coming up with these ideas for the characters that they all need to have these like specific masks, and it falls like pretty much detail, small little detail of their character, and and we went he went crazy looking for these masks, and I think he already had one or he saw one on the way to work, and he's like, I need to go buy this mask right away, mm-hmm. and I think it was the Pringles mask, right? And he's like, guys, I finally got the Pringles mask. Because I think you and I, I think we were in, in Alphabet no, City. You know what? I think it was the panda mask. The panda? Oh, okay. So he had the panda mask first. And yeah, I now I don't remember. The Pringle, yeah, no. Then the Pringles, I think we ordered it online. Right. And then you and I got the final piece, as to, so to say. I got when, the muscles mask, yeah. Yeah, we were in the Lower East Side. And I think we, we ate at two booths that day. Uh-huh. That night. And we went to pick up this mask at this like little... It was like I think a kid's like a kid's it was it was absolutely like a, a bougie children's store. Yes, a high end kid's store, I was gonna call it. 
Yeah, that's you know, another way like, of putting you know, it. Building blocks cost like $65. <laughs> yeah, really like young Einstein to the nth degree toys. Yeah, I wish I remember the name of the store. I mean, I can see away. it. I can see it in my head. I just don't know the name of it. Yeah, but, you know, I hope it's still around because, you know, rent's just going up the wazoo in the city now. Um, hopefully it's still there. Um, it's on Lower East Side somewhere. It's around Delancey. Yeah, I want to say 6th Street going south. Uh-huh. Because I, I remember it was on Alphabet City because we ate at two booths. The two booths that's like on the corner. Yeah. So it's somewhere uh, maybe two, maybe on 3rd Street and Avenue A, I want to say. It was definitely on Avenue A. So anyway, we get these masks. So <laughs> we get these stupid masks and they just fit so goddamn perfect into each character. You know, you get the Pringles mask, you got your panda mask, and then you have your wrestling. The muscles mask. The muscles yeah. mask. The muscles mask. <laughs> and then, so, yeah, go ahead. No, and then, you know, we, we had our, um, you know, I went on Amazon uh, gun crazy, meaning like I was buying a shit ton of prop guns because <laughs> they just looked really cool and they were really cheap. I was like, oh, man, we're going to use these down the line anyway, so let's just stock up on them. <laughs> yeah, I got and, a and stock up we did, yeah. I got a shotgun. I got a silver rubber gun to, like, pistol whip people, um, a couple of revolvers, some with clips, some that you can cock back. I mean, th- all these are airsoft guns. I mean, you know yeah. what I mean? But if I walk down the street with any of these fucking guns, I will get shot. Yeah, despite having, like, the safety orange tips, which everything has now, uh, yeah. you know, that you can easily paint that over. But, yeah, yeah but, you can you can but get for in production, trouble. But for production-wise, we, we made sure to make sure it didn't have um, the tips. And if they did, um, we covered them, but we weren't using them in public or nothing crazy. Yeah, like no. That. Listen, safety first. Don't get yourself shot over yeah. your five dollars. Yeah, please don't. Movie. Please. And if say if you do have to do uh, a stunt that involves a gun, honestly, the best thing to do is let the police know in that area that you're doing this stunt. Because, Contact you know, them immediately before yeah, you I, get out there, because they're yeah. gonna get calls. They're gonna get called regardless. Um, uh, also, I think if uh, if you go through the mayor's office as well, you gotta say yes, I'm using a gun prop. Yes, I am having a gun wrangler on set. You know, there's there's really a lot of steps that you need to go through before you can even set foot on set with um with a prop gun. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's something serious that you guys really need to take into account that when you're doing anything that involves a gun, do the right steps. Go through the proper channels. Go to your mayor's office first. It, it costs nothing to get the permit. Mm-hmm. Um, th- I think uh, I think you might need insurance if you're doing like a car crash or something crazy like that, um, which is above our pay grade. Yeah, but definitely go through the proper channels. That's our recommendation. Absolutely. Um, so we get all these awesome props off of Amazon. Thank you, Amazon. Um, yeah. Seriously, next and, day delivery is just the and greatest. And then you take it to the writing process, and you pretty much went all you know Heath Ledger locked yourself away for like a month. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know if it was a month, but yeah. I, dude, you definitely did go MIA, and we understood why. And then you came back and <laughs> tell me about the writing process. I, I don't think you were too clear, like or I, I how pulled, you came with it. I pulled a Vigo, and I disappeared into the backwoods of Russia, and I came back and I filmed uh, Eastern Promises, but I can't talk about it. It still <laughs> to me is the tattoos, most interesting. Yeah, but your tattoos do. My tattoos say everything you need to know. Still, that that story is so intriguing. Like, if I ever got to meet Vigo, that's the only thing I would ever ask. I wouldn't even like tell him how much I loved him. Oh my god, definitely. Shit. Anyway, has to go on my list. Yeah, there you go. Um, Oh, Eastern Promise is such a good movie. Anyway, uh, so the writing process. So, um, I remember at that time, um, Rob was still kind of 
like a, an ally, I guess. He wasn't part of Briefcase really fully. And, and you know, Rob's always been an ally. Yeah. Um, I think we were kind of coming away from working on, uh, we were doing, we were having writing sessions for another project and mm-hmm. they were kind of dwindling down a little bit. But um, we thought, okay, you know, this could be funny. We'll get Rob on board. He's a funny guy. You know, he's good with quips and he's, he's quick, he's razor sharp. And uh, so I remember the four of us, you, me, Rob, and Dro, met up at your mom's house for a writing session. And, uh, you know, I think Rob kind of, I don't think Rob showed up. He, I think he told us, like, look, you know, I, I appreciate it, but I, I don't think I can be involved in this right now. For whatever reason, I don't quite remember. I think he was just uh, really hitting the, the freelance world hard. And, you, I mean, you know, when you freelance, man, you you need to make every contact, every job you can. Yeah, yeah, you really have to um, stay on top of all that. It's the only way you really get ahead. That's why I never freelanced. Um, so I think I think the three of us ended up meeting, and we didn't really do too much. We kind of cracked some jokes about wouldn't it be funny if this happened, and, oh, it should be like this, and this guy should whatever. And wouldn't it be funny if that... So I, I kind of kept all that in mind, and when um, when I went home and I decided, okay, like now's, I'm gonna, I got the time, I'm going to sit down and write it. I took all of that, and I, I kind of kept it in mind, and I just started writing. And I think I did uh, – I wrote it in two sessions. I wrote all the way up to – I want to say the part where they exit the car to go rob the bank. I wasn't entirely sure how to end it or how to get to the ending. How come you're just having that writers like, I'll get there when I get there? It may, it may honestly have been that. Um, so one of my approaches to writing is like test taking. Um, you, you, you zip through the test and you answer all the questions that you know right off the bat. And if you don't know it, don't waste time with it. Skip it and keep moving. Um, my writing, I tr- I attempt to approach like that, but it doesn't always work because I'll start writing and I'm a terrible speller or I type too fast and I screw up my own words. So I'll stop and I'll go back. And that's like the worst thing you can do because now you're just messing up your natural flow. Like your brain is pouring out information into your hands that you're putting on screen on a on a computer screen. You should just let it go. Let all the let all the grammatical errors go. Let all the spelling errors go. Just do it. That way, once you're done. You get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm I'm done. I can start proofreading. I, I think I think that's pretty much the same advice you gave me when you when you uh, when it, I was telling is. you about writing roads. <laughs> Most and the reason I t- I give that advice is is because I don't follow it, and it's <laughs> it's more for me. I I'm more telling myself than I am anyone else. And the amazing part is it works for everyone else, and it doesn't work for me. <laughs> why, why am I not surprised? Why, I, why I, am I not surprised? Because I'm a I'm secretly British. I don't know. Um, <laughs> That explains everything. Oh my god! I'm secretly British and Canadian, but Matt, uh, yes, Matt, that explains every single flaw about you <laughs> that I know of right now. I'm I'm so polite. I cringe at everything. <laughs> I'll I will stand still no matter what's happening. Yeah, that's it. From now on, you need to start speaking in a British accent. Don't threaten me with a good time. Um. <laughs> so anyway. So that's that's my approach to writing. And so I think uh, I think I just got up to that ending part and I wasn't entirely sure uh, as to how to get to the ending because there wasn't technically an ending. So I wrote everything that you see in the film uh, in its current form is pretty much verbatim from the page. Um, The original draft of the script is, is a little different. I had to tailor fit it because of our casting process, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, but, 
that ending was problematic because, if I'm not mistaken, Drow turns to us and goes, I know exactly where this bank is, and it's closed for business. And there's, like, signs in the window, and, and it says vacant and all the whole nine. So it was like, all right. He's like, but we have to move quick because they're going to demolish it or something. They're going to do something with it. They might mm. turn it into another bodega or a Whole Foods. Who knows? And uh, so I was like, well, let's. So I made the I made the proactive choice to leave the ending open. And then once I kind of came to terms with like, OK, you have an open ended short film, which probably sounds like a terrible idea. I wrote from the exit of the car to the point at which the film ends to some extent. It was like 65% there. So then, uh, you know, what happens is what you see on film was essentially agreed upon the day of filming. It was like, okay, so we're going to ad lib a, just a little bit. You guys get, you know, you guys all get the characters. You understand what's going on. You know, the, the point of the story, you know where it's supposed to go. I'll let you guys ad lib just a little bit to get from that point A to the ending point B. Um, and so that was the script. And so I, I came, I showed up out of the, out of the woods again, like Alan Moore with a script. And I said, here's, here's your script. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. here, I, okay. Make your shot list, Dave. Come on. Well, I gave it to you guys. I remember giving it to Dro, even though he's not like production dude, but you know, it was his idea and I wanted his, his opinion was important because again, it was Absolutely. his idea. Absolutely. And, and he was there essentially for the pre-production meeting. So as far as I'm concerned, he really kind of. Uh, was the catalyst for making this film happen? Yeah, and and he fucking uh, executive produced with us too. And exactly, <laughs> yeah. And we we took chip ins from whenever we could to make this film. Yeah. So, so then the first draft was uh, written. So, what comes next now? What do, I think, what do, I, I think after the first draft, then you and I just sat down and we started going over a shot list. So we. We had to figure out the locations because the locations we had was uh, restaurant slash bar, mm-hmm. um, mom's mom's apartment, right? Um, interior car. Yep. Two scenes. Two scenes inside a car, and then the ending. I mean, it's pretty much it, right? If I'm if I'm missing anything. Uh, aside from establishing shots, which, as we both know, and you'll find out, you can grab from anywhere. Yeah, pretty much. Um. Yeah, and I think I think the best thing that we did, and I think we've, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I think I'm just getting old. Um, <laughs> my <laughs> mind old. is really starting to go. But um, I can remember another project that you and I worked on, that we went to the actual location, sat down with a camera, and pretty much did our blocking and figured out. Okay, this this shot is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, these particular lines have to be. Uh, we'll do with the wide, you know, because I don't think we di- we did like the traditional cover, what I call cover your ass, which is like <laughs> we shoot it from every angle, the whole fucking five ten pages, and then go fix it in post. But I think you and I really like um, sat down and said, okay, the opening is gonna be this dolly shot, and mm-hmm. then up until this line, we're gonna cut, and then we're gonna move the camera and get the other angle, mm-hmm. and then let's get the reverse of that. You know, et cetera. And I think that's the, I can't, like, I don't, like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but we actually went to the location and did our blocking there over at Brewski's. Shout out to Brewski's. Brewski's Bar and Grill in the Bronx, East Tremont. Great guys. Um, they were absolutely tremendously helpful in, in allowing us to shoot there. Did the butt crack at dawn. And then for the second viewing for the cast and the crew who could make it, they wanted a, a viewing. And we, and through our 
through our cast, they packed the room. Yeah, it, would, it was, yeah, was really nice. Cool, yeah. yeah, we had a great time. Uh, yeah, yeah, so big shouts. Um, yeah, so, okay. So I think that we, we no, no, we, we definitely did go to Brewski's. We definitely did block. We, we walked in. We said, okay, we're shooting. We like looked around the room. We're like, we're shooting right there at that table with this window. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's see if we yeah. can move stuff around. Okay, the, we these can. are the lights I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need certain gels for color temperature since you know we have this giant window to worry about. You yeah, know, thing, you know, little little things like that do add to your production value, and they save your ass on production day <laughs> because you mentioned the original cover your own ass, which is to say set up the script five times and shoot it five times from five mm-hmm. different angles. That's you know if you've got a ten page script. You know, how long is that going to take? Every setup, you're doing it from every angle. Now, what you end up doing is you're cutting down. You're saying, I need these takes for this, and I need this angle for this. And you condense stuff, and you start you start to shave time off of the production, which when you're paying for stuff is very important. Time is, yeah, in absolutely. fact, money. Yeah, we, we had a bit of a time restraint, right? Like, even though yes. they were opening up, they were still giving us a little leeway. I mean, but we didn't want to... What was call time? Uh, say seven a.m. with with Something like the that. doors opening up at eight. No, I, their their doors opened up at ten a.m. It was okay. a Sunday. No, it was no, no. I mean, I mean, doors opening for us. So was it call oh, time gotcha. six? You know, and then we got there at at seven or eight in the morning. You know, and you know, they're like, oh yeah, you guys can stick around for a bit, but you know, we we really didn't want to be there when there's you know. Plus, we had sun- to be somewhere else. Yeah, it's a Sunday morning, and I think that's another another lesson learned when we realized. We we can't do two locations that are uh, two <laughs> two boroughs apart. Yeah, they're like the the two polar opposites of the boroughs. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think uh, lesson learned that uh, if you are gonna pick up and move, you know, to a second location, make sure it's within you know not such a long distance because we got hit with that Sunday traffic. Yeah. Two hours. We were stuck in it traffic. Took us two hours to get to fucking Brooklyn. I think that day. Yeah. Yeah. What you was know. normally like a. 40 minute drive less yeah, than because well, we minutes. went we went all the way up to canarsie right was that the the area in brooklyn we were at i can't uh, remember that's what they tell me i'm not very good at brooklyn geography okay um i think i think and canarsie's a fucking trip um yeah yeah and then we got hit with that sunday traffic man and we were just like well you know what from now on uh no company move no full unless, company move yeah unless it's like you know 15 20 minute distance you know and uh you know we we, we learn as we go Every yeah. every production we've had, we've learned something new, and I think um, one of the things I know I know that I definitely learned on this was, so, the uh, the big opening scene where all the guys get together to discuss the plan, uh, we didn't have a location, and we were very fortunate that we got um, our good friend Mike Chirico to say like, oh yeah, you could shoot at my place. I have a, a basement apartment, mm-hmm. and the space we had was perfect. But what we didn't have was a shot list for that. So, um, you know. Yeah, that was the one we shot on the fly. We were like, all right, let's just get the wide, get the coverage here. I think that we did we did completely opposite of what we did. Oh, yeah. Brewskis. Yeah, so here, here are two, two scenes that are approximately the same length in edit time, probably the exact same amount of shooting time. And you can totally see the difference in where we had a shot list versus where we did and we went on the fly Mm -hmm. Uh, for us we can see the difference too because we know how much time it took to shoot this one versus this one how much time in and out how we were able to schedule a second location even though we didn't make it you know 
And that, that for me was the big like aha moment. Like, yeah, we really do need to do these like pre-production meetings where we talk about shot lists and we talk about lenses and lighting. And if we can get into the space, it's perfect. You know, no guesswork. We know, uh, where's power? Uh, can I Mm -hmm. move this chair? (laughs) You know, know, that kind of stuff. It's, It's big. It's really big and important stuff. So, yeah, and I think I think we took a a, 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 a yeah, it was an early call time, and we wrapped pretty. It was about an eight ten hour day, I think, for that one. How, how long was that scene? I can't for remember that, for that basement 12, scene. Yeah, twelve minute scene. No. In the basement, no. no. The movie's the movie's twenty four minutes. It's probably like an eight minute scene, mm. maybe a little less, six minute scene. I don't know. I'm off the top of my head. I don't quite remember. Um. Yeah, so I think I think at the exact same time as us kind of uh, starting to talk about locations and things like that, we also started casting. We we had like a like a dream casting in our heads, like of our our I don't want to say friends, but our friends and our friendly ally actors and stuff. And so, the main character, who is affectionately referred to as Pringles, um, has always been Johnny, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. And and how do we know Johnny? So Johnny, I met on a film shoot with uh, the the guy that used to work with you at IAR, or was a teacher at IAR. He was the tech guy. Him and his uh, his buddies had a film company called um, Park Slope Films. Yes, Park Slope Films. And um, s- and so you met him through you, and then um, his buddy Jason Casuto. Yeah, mm-hmm. Casuto. Um, shooting this little film called A Box Came to Brooklyn, which is um, inspired by one of the the Twilight Zone, epi- like the original the, Twilight Zone episodes. The episode um, was called The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street, which is my yeah. all-time favorite Twilight Zone episode ever. So in A Box Came to Brooklyn, I was the DP, and um, that's where I met Johnny and Ron. Yeah, so so Johnny plays a character that he has a mentality of a six, seven-year-old. Um, and I believe his sister was playing a stripper or something. I can't remember. Wait, um, Johnny's sister? Yeah, yeah, because Johnny uh, Johnny's sister in the in the film uh, takes care of him. She's like her, she's his caretaker. Gotcha. All right, so um, so I was like, damn, this, this guy has like he's got the know, chops. He, yeah, man, he got the chops. Like he he wasn't uh, doing. Uh, what is it that they do say in Tropic Thunder? Never go full retard, right? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah. Um, everybody knows you're gonna go full. Yeah. So he, so Johnny was like nailing this, like this uh, character, man, and I was really impressed, um, with him. So I always kept him in mind, like, hey, if anything comes up that I think he can play, I'll just say, hey, listen, do you think you can read for this and see what happens? So I threw right. him at you, um, literally, and. Uh, and then we had a few other people that we had to we had on board jump on because um who was supposed to be muscles originally uh, uh a a good friend of ours and alfredo's uh a gentleman by the name of brian ferry um <sighs> yeah brian ferry was this actor who was uh he was doing a lot of background work but he was really starting to um, gain some traction in uh, New York television. I think he actually had a reoccurring role on Persons of Interest with um, Jim, Jim Caviezel, I think his name is. I, I never know how to say his name. But um, at the time, I wanted to approach him, and it turned out that he had gotten sick and suddenly passed away yeah. very quickly. And so 
one, that was a terrible loss. Uh, I know Alfredo Diaz was really broken up. They were very good friends. He was a good guy to us. And um, yeah, man, I, I got to shoot um, something really interesting with him and Fredo uh, for like the pretty much the reel that they wanted to use. Yeah, the um, the Pillow Man. Uh, they yeah. did a, they did yeah. a great scene with uh, Stephen. Crap, I can never remember his last name. With another actor, Steve, who was just fantastic too. It was a great. I, I'm upset that the audio sucks on that, <laughs> but you know that was long yeah. before I went to audio school. But yeah, so we we I I wanted to have um, uh, Brian on that, but unfortunately, you know he passed away suddenly. So uh, I had to kind of rethink it. Now we hadn't cast anyone particularly yet. I think Johnny was the only one that was like, okay. And you turned to me and you're like, this guy's the the guy you want to use him. And I said, okay. I, sight unseen. I didn't even watch what you guys shot um, from that production. I just said, okay, well, if Dave says he's good, he's good. Uh, and then we also had our good friend Nori Davis cast for the Panzer role. Now, the original Panzer role was, um, he was going to be a stand-up comic, but or he was trying to be a stand-up comic, and all his jokes were terrible. Mm-hmm. So every joke he made, it was just like, mm. <laughs> but um, that... Quit while you're ahead, guy. Yeah, seriously. But um, but on uh, the contrary, it's complete opposite because he's pretty and, fucking funny. Yeah, Nori's a really funny dude. And, and I think that's why it works is if you can be really funny and you can make bad material even worse and still get a laugh like you're really doing something. Um, so yeah, I don't Shout remember- out to Nori. Yeah, shout out to Nori who's doing big things now. You see him on HBO. Um, and, and Conan, you know, he's been on Conan a couple of times, you know. Yeah, just, you know, just a little Conan O'Brien. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if you ever heard of him. Um, but I don't remember the reason why he didn't do it either. It could have been timing, man. Maybe just the timing didn't work out. It might have been a timing issue. I, I, yeah. I, that it's feels the right. only thing I can think of. You know, he was down for it, but I think it just... Yeah, he was always we down were trying to work to, on We stuff. were trying to shoot it at X amount of days, and he was just not around. We were like, all right, man, you know, we'll catch you on the next one. You know yeah, I mean? no hard feelings ever, because uh, that's just... that. You know, when you're operating at a certain level... You know, you do have to deal with other people's schedules. Like, you can't just call up your friends and be like, hey. Because then when you call up your friends, you know, they might be great, but you know what you're going to get with that. And so- then enter Carmine <laughs> Rizzo. Oh, boy. Carmine <laughs> Rizzo. You couldn't ask for a better casting or recasting in this case. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about this guy. He's the most genuine dude I think I've ever met. There's something about dudes from Queens who were born and raised in Queens. They're just like really nice guys. He's like the second dude I met from Queens, and I'm mm-hmm. like, this dude's like a nice dude. He's just like a nice guy, and you want to hang out with him, and he's yeah, just like Mets fan, Met fans that we can actually tolerate. <laughs> yes. I'm sure they say that's about us, about us uh, Yankee, Yankee fans. Yankee fans, yeah. Well, <laughs> he's sure a Yankee you... fan I can actually tolerate. Yeah, or, oh, Yankee fans are so intolerable. Yeah. But we can all agree, no Boston. All right, anyway, so we we um now now we're at the point where I'm like, okay, I think this is our cast, and I approach them, and everyone is on board, and... That's when we started doing rehearsals. And that's pretty much at the same time, too, where we were looking for places to shoot. Uh, we were still trying to get a producer, and we ended up producing it ourselves. Yeah. You know, yeah. it wasn't too hard because um, it's small. It's a small flick, and there wasn't a lot of moving parts, but there was enough to that would warrant, you know, someone else doing it, <laughs> not me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so we get to rehearsals. And so the greatest thing happened in rehearsals three people who never knew each other. They all just have common friends. Became mm-hmm. some of the tightest people I've ever seen in my life. You know, I feel like you would swear that we shot like a fucking thirteen episode, six month, 
took the words episodic series mm-hmm. and we were only all of together maybe a combined a w- effort w- w- with like yeah with rehearsals and shooting days less than a week yeah i'd say a good like four or five days combined yeah. absolutely yeah. combined and these guys just got along like like uh i don't know like a barn fire and like two peas in a pod <laughs> just, just uh sleep with their backs against each other so they have to put their heads in the mud um but yeah they became they became really really good friends and and it shows when you see them act and that was important chemistry is important absolutely you know? absolutely especially when you have strangers total strangers mm-hmm. that are supposed to do things you know on screen and make it look like they've known each other for years and they really they really did that and so we get to shooting and it lit- it was it was so easy to direct them because a lot of the directing a lot of so there there's an interesting thing that happens when you're the writer and you're the director you know the script because you wrote the script and oh speaking of scripts if i may put a pin in that for a second so now that we had uh rob a good friend of mine from high school who i did not talk about yet who eventually took over the muscles role he's an actor i've he's done i remember him from high school we were friends in high school we're very good friends in high school because we live in the same neighborhood. Um, we met in high school, a lot of mutual friends. He he worked on the stage productions on the stage. I was behind the scenes, as I am now. Um, we stayed friendly through college. I, I he, he called me up a handful of times to work stage crews for, for productions he did in college. Uh, you know, we've always been friendly, and, and he was getting that itching, bu- uh, acting bug, rather. He was getting the itch for it, and it just, like, like a cylinder in a key, it just lined up, and I was like, you're my muscles. That sounds way weird. <laughs> um, so, thank you. I mean, if you, you see him, you need to a, you need to put that joke in the sequel. Oh, yes, gosh. there's a sequel. We'll tell you that later. We'll about talk. It. We'll talk about that later. So, uh, and and yeah, he just fell in with the character too, and and it was just great. So, um, you know. When you so I I end up rewriting the script to kind of make necessary changes for physicality because there is some physical humor, and I I stripped away the idea that he would that Panda was a wannabe stand up comic, and I made it so that he was just like a, a little wise guy, which I knew Carmine could play. You know Paul Heyman from ECW used to say like, promote the strengths, hide the weaknesses. So. I knew Carmine was going to be a, a, a wise guy. I, I'll give him wise guy lines. I'll make him like, I'll make him this little puppy dog that's very ambitious <laughs> and ready to do anything, you know. And and he crushed it. And and Muscles plays the big, you know, stoic, slow guy so well. Um, you know, Rob really kind of found that and was like, "Yeah, I, I got this." And Johnny is just great at being the ringleader who can't control his circus, <laughs> you know. So I rewrite. We we start we do the rehearsals and um, so like I was saying about being the writer and the director I felt I kind of had an easier time because I don't have to argue with anyone. Oh well, I wrote it this way. Yeah, well I see it this way. No, I wrote it this way and I see it this way. This is how it's going. And so I felt it was much easier to talk to these guys and say like, you know, here's what I'm looking for. I'm not gonna line read with you because that's not acting. That's you just that's me being a puppet master. I want you guys to bring the characters to life. And they really did. And so there wasn't a lot of hands-on directing where I'm like, no, do it this Micro way. Micro-directing. Right, exactly. I don't want you... I want you to do what you do. I hired you to do what you do. 
I'm going to do what I do. And again, these guys really, really got it like right off the bat. And so again, there wasn't a lot of like hands-on directing, maybe a little blocking or like, no, you know, you're almost there. I know you have it coax a little bit extra out of them or whatever. And so production was really smooth, you know, all things considered with the troops of Brooklyn getting jacked up and a second, you know, having, ow, having to do a reshoots uh, because of that. But it was so smooth. And I like, of all the productions we've ever done, and I I think we do have a a fairly good track record of having smooth productions on our own stuff. Um, You know, it was right up there. I don't think that, I think, I don't, I mean, when it's our production, I don't think we've ever had a huge clusterfuck as opposed to you when you and I got hired to work on other productions. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think it comes down to like, we know what we're looking for. You know, we're, we, we don't really flip flop day of, I, I personally go in with the mentality of like, okay, I said, I want this and that's how it's going to go. I'm not changing anything unless I found something better. Mm-hmm. And I tend to believe like the night before, if I, if, if I haven't found anything better by, by the night before the production, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I have, I have the best possible thing in place. We're all going to work on the best possible iteration of what we're working on. And I think that, uh, we've worked with some other people who aren't kind of in our circle, and um, I think they, yeah. I think they strive for perfection, and they have no idea that perfection doesn't exist. Yeah, and like it, uh, you know, telling your DP that uh, the monitor is on the way to set, and when it's two hours later, there's no monitor on set, and you have to drive. When when someone okay. forgot to make that call. You know, or whatever, whatever. That's you guys will hear that story. I promise. Um, so yeah, we we had just a great couple of days of production, and then I sat down to edit it, which is another interesting thing because so seldomly do you write and direct, so seldomly do you direct and edit, but even more direct writing and edit. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. So yeah, so I had heard many years ago from I forget who who it was, whether it was Scorsese or, you know, Spielberg or something. You There's three films you make. It is the film you write, the film you direct, and then the film you edit. And never do the three look the same. No. I know it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I think also uh, God We Trust was definitely something like that. <laughs> Completely yeah. different movies from writing to uh, actual production at the end. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, but, but that's because there were some problems you know outside of our our uh control Control. yeah Mm -hmm. it just happens that way so um so i'm not gonna lie i procrastinate so here i am sitting you don't say yeah i'll tell you about it tomorrow um (laughs) so i uh so i had the film film was shot and wrapped in 2015 and i sat on it for a while and I don't quite remember why I was sitting on it initially, but then uh, in 2016, we um, we got hired to work on a project. We got jaded by dollar signs, mm. and we got our first really, truly big burn. And as I said before, we learned a lot from every production we've been on. We've certainly learned a lot from that production. And um, when I was released from the production, I was mad for like, you know, all the 45 minutes. And then I said, well, screw this. I've been sitting with my, on top of my hands. I got this project. I don't know why. I, you know, 
shame on me for letting these poor actors, you know, work their hearts out for food. You know, we at this point, at that point, we really didn't have a budget. We didn't really get to pay them, but mm. they worked on it for food and the love of the game, so to speak. And here I am just sitting on it like an a-hole. So I, I go, that's it. And that project that I was released from really put a fire up under me and I started working on it. And mm. it was like like water being poured from a jar. You just couldn't put it back. And I just edited and edited and edited. And it just so happened that this um, film festival was coming up in Yonkers. And I was like, I'm getting this film in there. There's no way I'm not getting in there. And so I just made the deadline. And I submitted the film and uh, through... YoFi, right? The Yonkers Film Festival, YoFi, mm. yeah. Through, through small, you know, nothing short of small miracles, I squeaked in there. They got us, they got the film in there. And when I tell you I had a greater sense of joy when I finally put a stamp on it and said it's done, it was that joy was bigger than when they told me it got in. Because, you know, how often do you start something and you don't finish it? Or how often do you talk about starting something and you never even start it? I talk about it all the time. The biggest challenge is starting. The greatest reward is finishing, even if it sucks, because you could say, I finished something. What have you done? Yeah, man. I mean, there's been how many projects that you and I worked on that we shot and nothing came of it. Yeah. 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 And nothing worse than wasted potential and talent. Um, mm -hmm. YoFi Film Festival was the first week in November of 2017. I was getting married the second weekend in November of 2017. <laughs> So it was kind of like all these sh these things were happening at once. And it was kind of, for me, it was kind of a whirlwind because I was like, okay, you know, I got to make sure I got my suit. My best man's got his suit. I got the, all the things I need. Oh, I, got, I have to go to my film premiere. Like, you know, I got to talk to the <laughs> crew and make sure the cast and make sure they're coming and make sure I'm there to answer questions and, you know, and smile when they take my picture or whatever. And so it just, it just felt like, interesting i have no problem um standing in front of a group of strangers and entertaining people by answering questions or you know just being self-deprecating so that stuff never bothers me and i actually kind of look forward to it um i think that's why i i enjoy you doing masochist this. i i really am uh but that's another story i really enjoy uh doing this podcast i think that's why i really enjoy like you know talking and, and well, talking man, to do, people. do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life well I would prefer they paid me to do something I love. Then I can technically well, never time, work yeah. a day in my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, the sentiment is there. You, it never feels like work. Um, so we had we had the cast come down, and you know they they had never seen it. This was their first time watching it, and they loved it, which is all that mattered to me. I was very happy with the film. I know you were very happy with the film. Yeah. And that, oh, no, that, I, I, yeah, I, like, and as always, until the day I die, I'll tell you. I think it's just a few minutes too long. I know you do. But you need those awkward pauses to make the jokes work. Totally, I, I totally understand it. <laughs> no, it's I. I know it. We're, at this point, it's all ribbing and stuff. But, um, you know, I was happy that you and I were both happy with it. But to have the cast really enjoy it and and see them laughing and smiling and, you know, it, that makes it that much better. And then to play it in front of people who I don't know from Adam and have them laughing, when, you know funny things happen is just that much better um i always say i don't make i don't make my art whether it's my paintings or um you know film or when i was in a band i don't make this stuff for other people i'm doing it because i enjoy it and if you like it then come along for the ride so you know that was fun um 
And then, you know, some time has gone by and I saw a thing about Bronx filmmakers this year. Uh, they were looking for Bronx filmmakers to uh, screen their films in the Bronx. And I said, you know, what the hell? This is like a shoe in. I, I threw it up there and I eventually got the screening and we had a great screening uh, for a couple other filmmakers. It was a small screening, but it was fun nonetheless. And these guys at uh, Anthology uh, really enjoyed the film uh, so much so that they want us to screen in Brooklyn now. Yeah, so if you're listening to this, it's already passed. And if you came, thank you very much. Thanks for coming. We appreciate you. <laughs> There's nothing like talking to people in From the, the past. future, in the yeah. past? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's heavy. At, at least our timeline is not as fucked up as X-Men. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, if you're in the New York area and you want to like support local filmmakers... Uh, check out Anthology Film Screenings. It's E-N-T-H-O-L-I-G-Y, Anthology. Uh, really good guys, Ethan and his buddy. They they do, it's two of them, and they just hustle the hell out of it, and they build projection screens, and they set up in strange little places, and, you know, it, they're yeah, cool, they're, man. Yeah, shout out to them, man. They were great hosts, man. That was, Absolutely. That was a dope little, uh, little film screening we went to, man, at yeah. their place. Out in the super, super professional, you know, like, there's a lot to be said for professionalism. You, it, you don't have to wear a suit and a tie. You just, you carry yourself well. You greet your guests. You know, you're, you're not an asshole. <laughs> I think rule number one of production should be um, number one. Oh, well, actually, two rules. Number two one, rules. be on time. Yes. Number two, don't be an asshole. Yeah. I think the caveat to rule number one is if you're on time, you're late. Mm. Oh, wait, actually, no, correction. Um, in production, rule number one is being on time is being a half hour early before call time. Correct. And number two, don't be an asshole. Yeah. Leo Leo Petri uh, told me that we shot um, the geocaching film for the Geocaching International Film Festival back in uh, 2014. Jesus. Yeah. We, we I'm, uh, years now. Yeah, We're I know. Old. We are old. This five years ago. We uh, I met him. He, we, we the designated meeting spot was a Burger King because we were shooting in a park across the street and I got there and he had the New York Times sprawled out on the table and I was like hey man how are you he's like good how's everything I said you know I can't complain and I looked down and he had like a half drunk cup of coffee and I was like uh, I was like you've been here long he's like yeah I've been here for like 15 20 minutes I'm like oh man I'm sorry he's like no 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 that's not your fault he said if you're on, my father always taught me if you're on time you're late you should always be 15 minutes early for something and that translates to production you know, and so, mm -hmm. you know, it says, it says a lot about your character, I guess. So, um, that kind of wraps up, like, I guess a generic, a general kind of generic. take. I say generic because there were other things like we could go into detail about how we shot. We built our own dolly many years ago and we used our own dolly. Oh, we almost man, we died. Got, I, I can't wait to, to talk to Stefan about that because Stefan was pretty much who inspired that. Yeah, you know, he he he. Um, when he wanted me to shoot his film, The Blunt Diaries, he goes, "D, I have this great shot in mind, but I need to know if you can make it happen." And I'm like, "All right, well, what is it?" He's like, "I need a like a really long dolly shot." I was like, "I don't have a dolly." He's like, "But you can make one." <laughs> and you're like, like he, "Tell me more." He he just had this confidence of me making this makeshift dolly, <laughs> which is essentially maybe 15 years old now, and it still lasted. It oh, still yeah. last. It still works perfectly. We have used it in almost every single fucking production. Since, I think we've done. since its birth, it's been in every production since. Because you know so, why? We spent so much time building. We're like, we're not oh not using God. this. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I really want to go in detail when Stefan comes on, man. Because like, okay. I'm telling you, it's 
I think I think we can do an ep- oh, episode on the dolly. <laughs> we could, like the time you almost died on the set of boats. Oh my god, I, I, I had to think because I've almost died on a lot of sets. That was. <laughs> oh, I was like, wait, many... boats? I was like, oh yeah, boats. I was in the middle of the street. Yeah. Well, not the part where you laid down to get the shot, which I have a photo of, but the part where we were tracking them walking for the Reservoir Dogs oh. homage. And you. The... Oh, and I tell you, don't pull me too fast. Okay. Was that was I? I wasn't pulling, was I? Yeah, yeah, dude. It was. Are you sure I thought it was Poe? Poe and Dro were on set with us too that day. Oh, I can't. Jesus, man. Like I said, I'm getting old, man. I can't remember. Whoever was pushing, I'm gonna blame Poe. Wasn't me. I almost went flying. Camera almost went flying. Yeah, we we saved the camera. Save the camera, then the DP. I'm, uh, I'm like I said. I'm just surprised from that build. No one's ever really gotten hurt with that makeshift dolly. Yeah. Because it is a lot of raw material. It's not. It's not pretty. It's yeah, it, it's, it's it's function not a, over form. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not one of those. It's not even a doorway dolly. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Yeah, the doorway dolly just has these giant tires on it. It's pretty smooth, but it's not yes. meant to to you know you you put you put that doorway dolly on tracks with mm-hmm. with the skate. I call it the skate wheels. I'm sure it's called something else. Yeah, but it wasn't even a doorway dolly. It's a piece of wood with four pieces of iron beneath it. And sixteen wheels, I think we put on it. I'm trying to look for it right now in the office. Some, it's something like that. There was, there were a lot of skate wheels on that thing, but it's yeah. the sixteen smoothest. wheels. Yeah, sixteen wheels, four pieces of iron soldered together with a piece of plywood on top, so we can put the tripod and the camera up on it. Yep, and then a couple we're, of PVC pipes as PVC guy, pipes is our track, and, and PVC pipes as like the um. These two, no, they weren't. They the weren't handles. PVC pipes. There's like these two metallic tubes, oh. um, but they're super light in aluminum. But they are, for some fucking reason, the noisiest thing if you drop them. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> they clatter like a like I don't know you what. You drop it in a hallway, and it sounds like the building will be coming down on you. Yes, it's terrible. It is horrendous, and they're so light. That's the crazy part about it. Yeah, it um, probably has to do with the material, and they're hollow. It's obnoxious. And then once you bolt the plywood onto the iron, it becomes like 80 pounds. Yeah. That that iron frame is heavy. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, we were doing something makeshift, but at the same time, we were trying to be safe and like, hey, if I put my fat ass on this thing, am I going to (laughs) break it? That was my concern because I knew I was going to be the camera op. You know, yeah. So it's like, if I sit on this thing, is it gonna break? Am I gonna hurt myself? Is the camera gonna go flying? Yeah. <laughs> you know. But yeah, man. Trend, you know, the, the thing is rock solid. It's it's been solid ever since. It took a licking and keeps on ticking. We strapped yeah. it to the roof of your car a dozen times. Uh, I I just uh, recently uh, had to um, get some equipment out of an old apartment, and um, uh, the wood kind of got moldy, so I just took the wood off. Right now, it's it was- just. Yeah, it was just it was stored improperly, which is a lesson to be learned. You take care of your gear; your gear will last you a lifetime. Yeah, I could have put some slag on it and seal it up. Well, next the next uh, the next surfboard we we put together, then we'll do there that. There you go. <laughs> um, what else is there? Is there anything else we could touch upon for this that maybe? We I mean, we pretty we both we pretty much went from like conception to ending to festival. I mean, I don't. Uh, the next step is uh, DVD streaming. Um, yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah. funny. It's funny you should say streaming. Um, 
uh, through what's it without a box who is closing up in October. So any of you guys listening and you will use without a box, if you didn't know, they're shutting down shop and uh, by October. So, uh, find yourself another, you know, upload site. Um, I got some emails saying that Amazon was always looking for short film submissions and stuff and that you can make like, you know, I don't know, like a 99 cents or less than a dollar on every view. And I, when I received that, I looked at their contract and I read their contract, which is painful. If you've ever read a contract, it's so painful to do, but so worthwhile. So you don't take one in the A, you know, when it comes time to, I don't know, get sued or something. So I read their contract and everything seemed fairly um, on the up and up. I just never um, pulled a trigger on it because what ends up happening is you just, you get caught up in so many other different things. You know, you and I, we, we have, okay, that's done. What's next? You know, our, 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 our like statement is always what's next, what's next, what's next, what are we working on next? So for me, I think that's what ended up happening. But uh, talking of sequels, because you mentioned it, I did want to write three films for these guys. I thought it'd be funny if they had a, a trilogy, just these three idiots who got a trilogy. <laughs> Can't wait. And Can't the, wait. I mean, and, can we talk a little bit about it? Like what, what you have in mind for the sequel? Um, I don't want to give away too, too much because it, it technically isn't written. I could lie to you and say it's written. I don't want to give away anything, but the truth is. Oh, matters. man, we didn't talk about Ron. We remember casted Ron as the oh my handler. Oh, my God. Ron would kill us if we didn't speak about it. I am so upset. Ron, Ron, we apologize. When, because we were talking about uh, recasting. So, um, the gun handler who goes by the name the Carpenter, um, was originally supposed to be played by uh, a guy you know from the yeah. Fight Club and stuff. The the great Primo Bellarosa, which you can yeah. catch him on UFC Fight Pass. Does that count as a sponsor? <laughs> I don't know if they pay us. Um. <laughs> He's a really good dude, uh, and he was very willing. He he'd done some acting. I, I he did some. Yeah, stage. he's done theater. No, no, he's a big theater guy, man. And um, I wish I would have been able to catch. Um, he had like old cassettes and stuff of his performances. Uh, unfortunately, they got ruined in um, in some water damage in his, his old apartment. Ugh. Um, but yeah, his his background's theater. I mean, that's why anytime I've ever shot anything for the Fight Club with him, fucking one take pony, man. He just nails it. Does it right <laughs> off the cuff. He's a good you dude. Know? So, yeah. so you told me he could do like an Irish accent. So I was oh, like, God, yeah. I was like, fantastic. Gun handler Irishman. Yeah. Done. Nailed it. I, so I said to myself, okay, this is perfect because these guys need to be stupid all around. And uh, so the original idea was the gun handler comes and he's speaking in this very high, heavy Irish brogue. And the main, or, or Mr. Pringles, the leader doesn't, you know, he's like, I, you know, I'm just let me do all the talking. I got this. And he doesn't understand what the guy's saying. So then Panda has to step in and, you know, sort of translate. Um, <laughs> sort, sort of translate. Sort Yeah, sort of. Because technically the guy's speaking English. I mean, he's just got an accent. Just has a really thick accent. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, at the time, he, uh, Primo, kind of signed on. But then he had to sign off because, you know, it's timing. It's, same thing with Nori. I think it was just the timing wasn't. Didn't yeah, work right. It was all the timing. So um you turned to me and you said, What about this guy, Ron, who you had said before you worked Ken, on? Going back to a box came to Brooklyn, he he worked on that as well. He was uh one of the one of the actors that comes out and like, hey, what's going on with this box out here? Pretty much. Right. Um <laughs> So you um, sent you sent me his reel. This was like the yeah. first guy that I was like, Okay, let me see his reel, because I don't know him at all. And uh I watched his reel and I was like, He'll be fine. 
<laughs> and so when I got a hold of him, I, I was talking to him and I said, listen, you know, the character was originally written for a guy who was going to do like an Irish brogue. I said, he's like, I can't do an Irish accent. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and I don't expect you to because you do not look Irish. He's, he's Filipino Irishman. I mean, see, now that I think about it, I want to hear him with an Irish accent. No, no, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be, it's going to, it's going to turn into Jamaican like all other people's Irish accents. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so I said to him, okay, I need you to, but I don't, these jokes are great and I don't want to change it. What can you do? And he's like, give me some time. I'll figure something out. So he comes to the rehearsal, his first rehearsal. And I go, all right, man, hit me. And he, he basically does rest in peace. Uh, an impression of his mom who is like, you know, um, a Philippine from the Philippines, you know, and she's got that Filipino accent. And, and we're just floored by it. I looked at him and I said, that's brilliant. And he was like, you sure? And I go, yes, it is. And I think still he was kind of like, I don't, I still don't understand why you thought it was brilliant. And I'm like, just wait. And we, you know, once you saw the final cut of the film, he's like, I think he kind of got it, you know? <laughs> and so he plays this very like <laughs> eccentric, the way you think of like the, the Chinese gang, the triads in the eighties wearing like weird leather vests and like funky sunglasses. <laughs> leather vests, no shirt under. Nope. Super spiked up hair. Yep. Like just, just like stereotypical. And he plays. It could be two in the morning to have these big ass sunglasses on. Oh yeah. To the T he played this character and I love him more for it. So Ron, I'm, I'm sorry that I, I missed you in the front, but I, I'll get you in the back. Wink. <laughs> He's a great. He's such a great guy. He's so yeah. full of life. And he energy. even had. He even had like. Um. He he added like little things to the character, which I enjoyed. Like he wore like these like cut off. Oh my um, god! The my, the motorcycle cut off. The gloves. motorcycle gloves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was rocking those, and I'm like, he had that's a very nice fucking he, touch. He brought like the the uh, leather attaché case. That was his <laughs> own case. Like, oh my god, so good. Like. And that's the it's, thing. It's little things like that that I see in actors when I go, okay, <sighs> they know what the fuck they're doing. And they make your you job know? so much easier. They mm -hmm. may, and, and you've said this to me a bunch of times too when we work with certain people. When we get those takes from these people, you're like, this is why I do this. Yeah. This yeah, is definitely. This is, you reminded me why I love doing this. And, yep. you know, these guys that came together on this film, they're quintessential to us why we do this. And so, like, I've said it to you guys before. I'll, I'll say it on this podcast so it's forever ingrained in celluloid or whatever the fuck this is. Thank you so much for just being awesome. And big shouts to Cindy Black Angel. Put her on as a producer. We yeah. had a, we had another f actress who was supposed to play the character. And ironically enough, she was injured in a very bad car accident just before I was going to... Debbie. Yeah, Debbie. Um her Can't name. remember her last name. I'm sorry. Yeah, her name escapes me. She's been, uh, since then. She's been doing very well. Um, you know, a lot of things have been on the up and up for her. But she was in a very bad car accident and obviously un unattainable. And so we used Cindy, and she was perfect because she's a performer too. She's a poet. She has no problem being in front of people, and she just she gelled with these guys and it crushed it. So again, big shouts to Cindy too. Like you guys made this so much fun. Our crew, you know, we always Debbie Clark. Debbie K-L-A-R-R. -R. Yes. K-L-A-A-R. Double A-R. She's also in the geocaching movie. She That's where I first met her. She's in the geocaching film. Sweetheart of a person. 
fantastic person. I, it's, it's a shame what happened to her, but you know, she's, she's definitely coming along. And, and so, you know, positive energy her way. Um, but this film really is weird because everyone who was supposed to be in it, except for Johnny was recasted. And so, you know, that's a lesson in unto itself. Don't necessarily think that who you got is who you're keeping. You know, this life is short and fleeting and you never know. So, you know, roll with the punches, be, be rigid enough to make shot lists and, and blocking, but be loose enough to recast at the last minute or rewrite a line. So, oh, so back to the sequel, uh, not, not giving away any information about the sequel per se, but I wanted to continue these three dummies exploits in where they, they're trying to be criminals. They, they watch too many movies and they think they could be criminals. And so this time around, they're going to attempt to rob someone or something or something. Yeah. Rob someone or something. Wink, wink. Yeah. Uh, who they really shouldn't be that if they get caught, they could really be in some trouble. But in mm-hmm. typical fashion, they may inadvertently not do anything at all. Who knows? You know, mm-hmm. so. Who knows where the next adventure will take us? And and then the third one, they're going to be in prison. So the third one, they're finally in prison. The third one, they're in prison. Yeah. (laughs) But of course, you're going to have to. I'm going to have to write it first of all. But you're going to have to see it to understand why they ended up in prison. Yeah, you'll get to it tomorrow. I'll get. I'll I'll work on it tomorrow. (laughs) Why do today what I could put up till tomorrow? So, Hmm. um, I think that kind of wraps. That really wraps about everything up for boats. There's not. I don't know that there's nothing we we didn't touch on. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we went back. Yeah, Ron would have killed us. Like, really? You guys talked about the three main characters. <laughs> you and, talked uh, about yeah. everybody but me. Yeah. Is there? Is there? See, any... Ron, we gave you your own little section. How about that? <laughs> You're special to us. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you wanted to touch on that you think we didn't do? No, or... man. I think we pretty much nailed it. I mean, you know, from conception to festival, you know, I think we hit everything between casting, rehearsal. Rehearsal is very important. Yes. Um, you know, like um, can't stress that enough. Yeah, I mean, like rehearsals is where you're figuring out if the character or the actors fit the character or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, Darren Aronofsky um, with The Rustler, w- originally Nicolas Cage was casted, right? Mm-hmm. So Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if it was during rehearsals or during actual production. I, 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 don't quote me on this, but it did happen that they both mutually said, this is not working out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was mutually between Nick Cage and um, Darren Aronofsky, and they both parted ways. And Mickey Work gets casted and fucking gets nominated for an Oscar for The Wrestler. Yeah, that would have been a very different film if Nicolas Cage was in it. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know that I'd I like. I want to see it. <laughs> I kind of want to see what it. You know, you like know, his Superman. <laughs> oh my God, Tim Burton Superman. That's something that would. Who knows, man? Tim Burton has enough money that he could fund that movie himself, probably. Probably, but... The question is, would he get the rights? I don't know that I want that to happen. (laughs) Um, No, man, but yeah, I think, you know, we talked about how important casting is, blocking, of course, you know, locations not being too far apart. You know, Mm -hmm. just things that, you know, we can try to help uh, fellow filmmakers, you know, improve on. Yeah. You see, I I like to know that... um, while we're working on something and we're struggling, it's nice to know that we're not the only people, you know, like, ah, hell, like, you know, this thing broke or 
uh, like crap, we can't uh, shoot this because this character is the, the we no longer have an hour actor for this character. They they've left, you know, whatever. It's it's always nice to know that this has happened to other people before us, and it'll continue to happen to people after us. And just know, you know, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's all learn part of the learning process. I mean, not yeah. everyone starts with their first set on a pro set. No, you know, God, no. When you get on a pro set, it's there's a level of oh, I don't know what to say. There's a intensity. There's a certain, yeah, there's a certain level that is expected of you to mm-hmm. perform on set, whether you are uh APA whether you are working in the camera department um prop department oh. um i mean i i like when i've been on a pro pro set when like there's like industry people involved i mean everyone's on their p's and q's every even the, i mean fucking craft services is down to the t on details on like oh look it's four o'clock these guys are a little hungry let's walk around and start giving them pizza nice <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, yeah uh, I, well you know when i was a, a production assistant i made in manhattan um, I'll never forget that I see the craft services guy just walking around with pizzas, just handing it out to people because we were going really, really late. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's it's things like that that they you didn't just see when you when you worked on Sneaky Pete. Was it Sneaky Pete? In, yeah, in my, yeah, I worked. Yeah, I worked on Sneaky Pete. Didn't they? Uh, didn't they hand out ices at some point? Oh yeah, no, no, even better, dude. They got um, a a like um they hired like this independent like coffee truck mm-hmm. and a they had like the most delicious fucking like iced coffees i've ever had in my life i can't, <laughs> I can't remember the day i remember texting you at like three in the morning like dude look where i'm at and like showing a picture of you with my like my coffee cup and the you know the truck behind me <laughs> yeah so they yeah. pretty much paid for that production that tr- that coffee truck to be there at a certain time yeah like they were like okay we'll pay you for an hour's worth of your time give us give our guys some coffee you know we're working through the we were working um call time i believe was uh 7 p.m we didn't wrap until 6 a.m mm, uh yeah. truck loaded and all but At, yeah like it's it's things like that man when you work on a pro set and you start seeing how th- you start you like if you're just a pa on the set be observant of like the yeah. departments and how they work with each other and you know you know how the electric and grip department you know the camera department wardrobe my god you know what I mean? Like I could go on and on, but just like if you're there as a PA, don't be frustrated. I mean, everyone starts somewhere. Yeah, learn. yeah. Learn as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Make as many friends as possible because you never know. Like, if you got a little background in something, you know, you might come on a PA as a PA, but you might make friends in electric, and then one day, you know, they're short, and the guy's like, "Oh, I remember that that person. Give him mm-hmm. a call." Now you're in electric. You know, mm-hmm. you, and you build. Yeah, I mean, perfect example. Um, I worked as a PA for second unit stunts on Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I worked on it for a couple of days and I, I wasn't, I was, I still had my full time job, so I couldn't leave my regular job and just say, you know, fuck it, I'm going to just go in PA. Right. Uh, I gave it to a good friend of mine, Michelle Clementine. And Michelle went on to get into local 600. Mm-hmm. as a as a ac and she's been working in the industry for 10 years now there you go Same. And, uh, you know i i don't want to drop any bombshells yet but um you know there could be something very promising in the future for uh michelle i'm just waiting to get the the the, conf- the confirmation on a future project that she will be working on and that that's another real quick thing i want to touch on too uh and, and maybe i'll i'll kind of call it there um, I think all too often we spend too much time looking in other people's windows and saying like, oh, I want what they have. 
And when you don't and you see someone else have some success, you get salty. Um, sure, you can do that. You can be as salty as you want. It's not going to help you. I think personally, we should spend a lot more time congratulating each other as we did. Like, for example, when we had Layla on, you know, she wasn't mad that she got passed up for some jobs. You know, they went to her friends. And you know what I've always said? If not me, why not you? If I can't have it, why can't you have it? Why can't you be happy? I'm so happy when I see my friends succeeding and having success. And, you know, I feel that it's just a better way to approach things. And I feel like that uh, mentality is also seen by your peers, the people you're working with, and stuff like that on set too. You know, Dave just sat here and said like, hey, you know, I had to give that up. And now, but now the girl who took that position, she's been doing very well and there's something potentially giant in her future. But at no point did he go, oh, F that. You know, that should have been me. Mm. No, congratulate each other, man. Because like, quite frankly, like, it's just easier to congratulate someone than to sit around and hate them. Absolutely. It's not good for your soul, man. Nope. Let that shit go. (laughs) True story. And you know what? Your time will come. If you're salty, your time will come. But if you're not, your time will come. So... I think uh, I think that about wraps it up. I'll, I'll stop my Bob Rawson right now. So, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you blabbed enough. Yeah, I always do. So, um, anyway, if you want to catch more of us, you know where you can find us: briefcaseproductions.com. Uh, you know, you can go to our podcast uh, page on that page and check out some of the old episodes you may have missed or ignored, whatever. Um, you know, there's photos from our previous productions. Um, there's a new page now for screenings because apparently we're screening our films. Uh, so you can get all the information there of upcoming screenings, um, things like that. There's also our uh, Instagram, which is briefcase underscore productions. You can see the stuff that we're working on, which we have something brand spanking new. But I'm not going to say what it is because I think you should go and check that out. Uh, that brand spanking new project is also appearing on our YouTube page, which is nyc briefcase one word when you look us up and uh give it a like give it a subscribe check us out see the stuff let us know what's going on talk to us you can always email us um and we'll always get back to you the email is attached to the briefcaseproductions.com page and that about wraps it up dave any parting words no man not at all just uh you know support each other yeah yeah it's the only way we're gonna make it That's very, very, very true. Let's all come up together, eat at the same table. Uh, On behalf of David and myself, I want to thank you for checking in with us because we, of all people, know that time is precious. And since you decided to spend your time with us, we are eternally grateful. Whatever's left in your day, make it great and watch more movies. We'll see you next time. Peace.